Good morning. I'm Peggy. I'm reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verses 10 through 14. <clears throat> when, Pharaoh drove, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the, Egypt, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said, Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Um, is it not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. All right. All right. Good morning. My name is, uh, is Dave. It's great to see you all here this morning. Um, I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and um, I typically do the bulk of the preaching. So I um, just want to introduce myself and also give you a, a heads up that I have a stutter, and so it'll kind of come in and out as we go as I preach, and I um, want to make sure that you all know what that is. And um, uh, also, my voice is a little bit scratchy. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I like to believe that I, um, being like two rows from the top of the stadium last night, yelling um, is what distracted the kicker from uh, UCLA. So you're welcome. I, we all play a part. Look at that. All right. We better be cheering and clapping for Jesus, all right, if we're doing that. It's okay to cheer for some wins, but um, also we got we to gotta give a, a hand praise where it's due to, to the Lord. Um, so um, anyway, just want to give you all a, a heads up on that. And um, let's go ahead and get into our time together. Um, we're in Exodus. We've been walking through the book of Exodus and, and, uh, for the last couple months, and we have a couple more months, and, and God has been shaping us in this time. Um, kind of the big tagline we've been walking through is that God is making himself known in a world where he has been so greatly forgotten. And so that's what we're seeing more and more. We see God revealing himself, and, and we trust that he's shaping and forming us individually and as a community as we see God. Um, and so that's where we are. So go ahead and turn with me to Exodus chapter 13 and 14. That's where we'll be this morning. If you don't have a copy of God's word with you, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up, and somebody will get you a copy of God's word. Y en español, si quiere la... Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en el libro de Éxodo. Um, and, and so, again, um, and so, so again, keep your hand up high, and um, somebody will, will be sure to get you um, a copy of God's Word. And this is our gift to you, okay? You can keep it and, and make it your own and 
and learn and follow along. And especially as we're in Exodus, we've been covering bigger chunks. I, I want to exhort you to, to have a Bible, okay? So if you have it on your phone or whatever, that's good. But I want you to follow along and even to make note of things because we can't cover every detail as the way we're going through it. It would take years and years, and that could be good, but um, we're going through it at a little bit quicker pace so we can't cover every single detail each time, all right? Amen? All right. Amen means... We're, I'm tracking. I agree. So that's a, that's a practice. All right. So now you know in the future. Um, on that note, amen is usually associated with prayer. And I want to um, make you aware of something we have coming up here. Um, Sunday evening, October 13th from 6 to 8 p.m. We're just having a kind of a bare bones time where we're creating space to just pray. All right? And that's a, a phrase. And we say just pray not because it's like one of many other things, well, I'll just do this. But when we don't know what to do, where else to go, where else to turn, um, many of us individually and as a community, as a church, have been in a place where we're just like, what do I do? On an individual level, in our families, some of us have gotten diagnoses, um, have broken relationships where we don't know where to turn, what to do next. There's just been a, a weight and a heaviness for the last few months, really, that's not just a coincidence. As I talk to different people, it's like, and we, what do we do, Lord? And, and that's led us as a church to say, just pray. Like, try prayer. Go before God individually as a community. And let me say this. We're creating this space again because um, for some of us, we're like, I don't even know how to do that. I'm exhausted. I don't even know how to pray, what to pray. We're just creating this space. There's not going to be childcare provided or food or any kind of bells and whistles or smoke and mirrors or anything like that. It's just going to be show up. We are going to have a couple of different um, ways to help direct and guide our time, but it's mostly going to be a chance to slow down. You can pray on your own by yourself. You can pray with others. If you don't know where to start, you can read some Psalms or different passages that will hopefully just be like, it, it help guide you and direct you to go before the Lord in prayer. So again, I want to encourage you to go, to show up, to come, and to pray together as a community. All right, let me um, now shift gears on where we're headed this morning. As I said, God's making himself known in a world where he's been forgotten. And last week we got to cover what's known as the Passover, where God passed over the sins of his people and, the, and, the, um, and, and, and if they obeyed him and put blood on the doorposts and then his judgment was executed on those who did not, um, specifically on the uh, Egyptians and on Pharaoh himself who were not covered by the blood. And so this morning we get into the Exodus, which um, that word, by the way, Exodus is a Greek word um, that means departure. And so this week is kind of the title, if you will, where God's people depart from Egypt. And so that's where we'll be. And we'll see these kind of five points, not those five points, different five points. But what we'll see this morning is this, that we'll see that God is to be remembered. And we'll see that God's ways are mysterious. And God calls his shots. God is faithful. And God saves. And God judges. So that's where we're going to walk through. Those are some handlebars, if you will, to help us track through this um, weighty and shaping section of Scripture. So with that, let's go before the Lord in prayer together as we get into His Word. Amen? Amen. All right. Good job. 
Lord, we, we, uh, we, we do come before you, and we confess that we are a fickle people. Um, even as, as Scott said earlier in the All of Life interview, which was so helpful and so good, and I know there was so much more I was wanting to hear and learn, we, we recognize there is brokenness in our own bodies and the cars we drive or, that, or the helicopters that we fly or that other people fly, and, um, and, and in our relationships, in our society, um, there's so much brokenness. And so we thank you for your word where we can see you revealing yourself. And we pray that wherever we're at this morning, whether we call ourselves Christians or followers of Jesus or not, whether we're just here to kind of check out what this whole thing's all about, Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us. Lord, because it is my conviction and my hope and trust that though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. So Lord, would you speak to us through your perfect and true and enduring word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's just dive in again. We've got a lot to cover, and so we're in Exodus chapter 13, all right? Let me just pick up right there in the beginning of Exodus chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both man and beast, is mine. And then he says, um, right, he's, he's calling his people to remember who he is. And, and then pick up with me in verse 13. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. By a strong hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. So this is two of the great feasts, two of the feasts of the people of Israel, the Jewish people. God is commanding them to remember Okay, and the big idea here, again, is that God is to be remembered. And if you remember with me, go back to chapter 1. It started, I don't even have the slide here, but I'll just go back with you. It, it began with all these things, and then it, it reminded them that, that the people of Israel had forgotten. No one knew why they were there. No one remembered um, Jacob and Joseph and the 12 tribes of Israel or his 12 sons who would become the 12 tribes of Israel who would come. No one remembered. It had been 400 years since this small family of about 70 people, which I know that's like huge, right? But compared to thousands that it would become um, after 400 years, people had forgotten. And so now as God is taking the people out of their place of slavery, he wants them to remember. And again, he knows we are a fickle, forgetful people. So he gives these commands. He says, remember, and there are these feasts, which again, I'm not going to walk through all of them, but if you're taking notes or you want to know where they are in chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, and then also verses 11 through 16 is the firstborn, okay? There's, and there's, there's the consecration of the firstborn. And then in chapter 3, verses 3 through 10, there's the um, festival uh, or the feast of unleavened bread, and there's a purpose there. Remember in your hurriedness. Remember that your bread wasn't even fully baked, fully developed, that God brought you swiftly out of slavery. And then in chapter 12, back where we were in, in, last week in verses 1 through 13, talked about the Passover. 
And in that case, there was this, um, this, this reminder of, of God taking his people out um, swiftly, but also carefully, and that he had them roast a lamb, and that he, every little detail was overseen by God and by his sovereignty. And so these different feasts are given to remember but not just so we sit and dwell in the past, so we carry on the traditions of old, if you will, right? But, but, but that those things, what God has done in the past, that we would remember them so those would inform who we are right now and how we move into unforeseen circumstances coming up tomorrow. So there's a, a quote that um, this author Chris Wright in his book, The Mission of God's People, wrote. Redemption... That's the, 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 the freeing from slavery, okay? What God has done, bringing his people out of slavery. Redemption was not merely a past event, but a reality that required practical response in the present. Remembering the Exodus was not confined, confined to the annual Passover rituals, again, all those three different feasts, but performed some powerful functions in Israel's faith. We must ask what it means then to live redemptively, okay, as free people in mission. For what have we been redeemed, right? What's our purpose? I would submit to you that every one of us, every human on the face of the earth is asking this question, what's my identity? What's my purpose? Everything that we do comes back to that in some form, how we interact with one another, who we see looking back at us in the mirror, right? What we post on social media, whatever it might be, is tied back to what's my identity, what's my purpose? And God is, is, is saying, listen, remember these things because your identity and your purpose is found in your relationship with me and what I have done on your behalf. So why have we been set free? What, are God's, what is God's plan? Well, God's plan, even from the very beginning, is that his people would be, I love this phrase, like trophies of his grace. Okay, that their lives would be a display to the world around them, that they would be, as, as a, there's a book even titled this, A Light to the Nations. Right, that all the surrounding nations, and we'll hear about some of those, they would see God's grace and God's power and God's sovereignty and God's, God's goodness, his justice, that all that would be on display through his people. And so I just want to ask us, like, what are some of those things that we do? What, what are some things that you do to help you remember? Okay, on an individual level, it might be like tattoos, I know our audience, right? We know our, like some of us, downtown Tuesday, some of us have tattoos with scripture verses or, or images or pictures or whatever it might be that helps remind us of who God is and what he's done, right? We might have like chalkboards, right? If you live in Armory Park, you have like really handcrafted, you know, cursive writing on a chalkboard somewhere in your house. It has a scripture, a verse, or something that reminds you, right? Or you've got a bumper sticker if you're more old school, you know, whatever it might be, right? You've got things that remind you, and those are good. Those are not things to look down upon or say that's, you know, that's dumb or whatever. Now, we do constantly kind of uh, evaluate the culture that came before us or the generation that came before us. Like, oh, that's so silly, there will be a day, by the way, where tattoos and cursive chalkboards or whatever are looked down upon by the young people, right? So we're all going to experience that. But what are some other things? Well, what we do here as a church, right, we consistently do some things. 
One thing is what we call God's stories. And I want to encourage you, charge you in your home, around the table when you're eating. And if you're a part of a redemption community that gathers each week, share stories. Sometimes it's, this is going on in my life. This is hard. This is difficult. But sometimes it's, let's just remind one another of God's goodness. And sometimes it might be, I don't have anything that I can share right now, anything I can remember. But I hear someone else, and that starts to spark me and to spur me on to say, oh yeah, God does work. He's working in that person's life. And then maybe that helps us remember, oh, he, he has worked in my life. I don't feel it. I don't experience it right now. I have a hard time trusting it, but, but he does. And also something that we'll do in a, in, a, in a number of minutes when we come together in our time of response, we take communion. We do it every week because Jesus said, do this in what? remembrance of me. God's people are called to remember him. And yet, as I said earlier, sometimes that's hard because our next part we're in is God works in mysterious ways, right? And that's just helpful to, to say it like it is. And sometimes even be God's big enough and smart enough where we can sometimes say, God, you're kind of weird right now. Or at least I know, I know you're good and you're holy, so maybe I'm the one who's weird. But either way, I don't understand. This is a mystery right now. And so that's what happens as well with God's people. Pick up with me in chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Okay, so that's the shortest, right? The, the shortest path between point A and point B is just go this route. So God didn't take them on that route. For God said lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So part of it is God knows his people are fickle. Now, let's be clear, okay? Hear me on this, because you might get tripped up on this. Um, Egypt was way more powerful and dominant than these other people that they would be experiencing, the land of the Philistines, and these other people groups that they would eventually come up against. So was God afraid? Was he like, oh man, I don't think, I don't think we can take the Philistines. No. All right. God had just revealed his power in a massive sweeping way over Egypt, right? Which at the time was the, if not one of the two most dominant um, people groups, empires in the entire world that the entire world had ever even known. And God flexed his muscle, right? All the plagues over each of their false gods and frogs and fertility and whatever else it might be. God's like, I'm bigger. Boom, boom, boom. Just time and time again, he reveals his power. So he leads his people in a different route. It's not because he's afraid. He knows that they will experience like um, physical combat and they are a fickle people. But he has other purposes in mind that we'll learn. So he says in verse 18, but God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And that's an, a seeming obstacle. And the people of Israel went out up or sorry, went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. So again, just a reminder, way back in Genesis chapter 50, like over 400 years before, Joseph had made the people, his family, like his big family, swear that they would not leave his bones there. And I don't think he even fully understood God's whole plan 
He didn't know that 400 years later, God would lead his people out of slavery. They weren't even in slavery yet. They were actually a blessing. They were welcomed guests in Egypt at the time, and now here they are. And so what we see is we step back, and I'd love to dive into all the details, but as we just step back, we see God is working at a macro, big picture level, and it's not always easy to understand. Again, it's not because he's afraid of them, but we need to understand that God leads us often on a longer route because he knows what we don't know. Okay, let me just ask for a moment, what is, what is in your life, what has happened in your life in the past, perhaps even right now, where from your perspective, God is just dragging his feet. God's being weird or cruel or confusing or he seems impotent and powerless because he's not working right now in the way that we think he should be working. Again, enter into our story. It's easy for us to look back and judge the, the Israelites and be like, oh, those, they're so dumb. They have such a weak faith, right? If, oh, if, if, if um, I was in their place, it would look different. But there's a freedom in God's power and his bigness. And as we remember him, Remember his works, it enables us to acknowledge, A, to be truthful and to say, what I'm going through right now, what I'm facing is confusing, yet somehow I can sing words over and over again about God's working, about God's faithfulness, about my arms wide open, is there's a sense, there's a posture of surrender before God. God, you're working even though I don't know how right now, even though I'm confused, but he always takes care of his people. This is one of my favorite images. In um, verses 21 through 22, we get our first introduction to what's referred to or understood as the Shekinah glory. All right, God's presence, the, the cloud, if you will. And, and so I'm going to read actually this part from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, it's the same account, but I, I love the way the, the author there writes this, this, this picture of how God is mysteriously leading his people and yet still in a comforting way somehow. It says this, God promised them, I will look after you. I'm with you. God sent a big cloud for them to follow a pillar of smoke stretching up to the sky. It moved in front of them as they walked and shaded them from the blazing heat of the day. We know nothing about that here in Tucson, right? And when it was time to rest, it stopped. And through the cold desert nights, it kept them warm, glowing like fire. God led his people through the desert to the edge of the great sea. Okay, there's this beautiful picture of God's intimate guidance and presence. You got to believe that there were times when they packed up, and this took a lot. We're packing up this whole everything. We're doing all this stuff. Okay, we're packing up. Now we're going. And then all of a sudden the cloud stops, and you're thinking, well, no, keep going. Like, we're good. I, I got all stressed out. I did yoga this morning. Like, I'm ready. You know, I, I, I drank some, some, some cold brew. I'm amped. Keep walking. And the, and the pillar is like, no, stop. Slow down right now. And then other times when you're like, I'm exhausted, I'm walking along, I don't know how long I can keep going, and God's direction continues to go. You're like, I just need to stop. And God's like, hey, I'm with you. Keep following me. That's this beautiful picture here we have. And, and the big idea I want us to see there again is God's people are confused. We'll see that in a moment. His people are confused. It's why, why are we taking the long route? 
No, just go straight through here. Like, don't, don't drive all the way over to Houghton and, you know, do all this. Like, just go straight down Tucson Boulevard. Like, why are we, why are we going from I-10 down there? And, why, you know, and, and God's just directing them and guiding them through the wilderness, and there's confusion. And it's good to recognize he's leading, he's working in mysterious ways. And then I just love this next part there in chapter 14 we start to see, and I'm not going to read these, but God is calling his shots. Okay, if you guys know like old history, like, um, you know, Babe Ruth, way old history. How many of you were alive when Babe Ruth was still playing? I didn't plan on asking this. I know at least a couple, right? (laughs) Some of you, I, I don't remember. I remember though thinking like, how did my parents not buy all the Babe Ruth baseball cards and save them, right? And, and I just remember thinking, what would that have been like? And we've got those versions today. Anyway, sorry. You guys assume you don't even know who Babe Ruth is. Well, he famously like called his shot, right? In left field, he's standing up there to, ba- to bat. He calls his shot and then boom, hits the home run right there. And, and there's this, this whole image, this picture. And I, I just love this idea, right? It's like the boxer, like Muhammad Ali was like dancing around. And he's like, I'm going to punch you right there on the chin. I'm going to punch you. Here come. I'm going to punch you. Boom. It's like, dude, I told you I was going to do it, but I'm so good, I let you know beforehand, and I still do it. I'm that dominant, all right? And that's the image I think we get here. All the way back into the plagues is often God says, this is what I'm going to do, and it sounds crazy to all of you. It's mysterious, but God is still so in control that he does it. He reveals his power and his glory. Why would he tell Moses what's going to happen before it happens? Right? He's growing the faith of his people. As one said when they interacted with Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Okay, again, we, we can't, it's, this is loaded with the reality of the cross. Jesus in his earthly ministry came and constantly said, I'm bringing in my kingdom. I'm bringing in my kingdom. All power has been given to me. And by the way, I'm going to die on a cross. And people are like, what? Like, just miss it. Go, and oh, and then by the way, I'm actually going to raise from the dead. And everyone's constantly like, wait, I thought you were calling your shot. I thought you were so dominant. Yeah, I am. I'm calling my shot, and it's going to come through pain and through suffering. It might look mysterious to you, but I'm going to do it. And, and that we see that when we look at the cross, we should have, imagine what it looked like for his followers, for Jesus' followers, or even for Jesus, right? When he's in the garden, the night he was arrested, he's praying with his father. And he says, if there's any other way, let this pass from me, right? But again, God in his sovereignty called his shot. And Jesus knew, he said, there's no other way. So not my will, but your will. He submits to the will of the Father. He knows that God calls his shots, but again, we see embodied in Christ the hope we can have in the mysterious ways of God working. When he calls his shot, it doesn't always mean it's the easiest route, the safest path. Often it's confusing and even full of pain. And yet God is powerful And then we see in what was the scripture reading, this next section here in chapter 14, verses 10 through 14, we see that God is faithful. He always remains faithful, even when we're not. So pick up with me chapter 14, verse 10. 
When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. It's interesting. Someone said when we were kind of, I was reading different things. It's interesting the lengths that we'll go sometimes to avoid submitting to and trusting God. Like, listen, it's like, do you remember when you were pleading when, when, when Pharaoh piled on your burden and said you had to make more bricks and he took away the straw and all this stuff and you were freaking out and life was so hard and yet we are such a fickle people, you and I as well. Honestly, I'm really convicted. I don't know if anyone else, how many, how many times have you prayed for something that God provided and then down the road you became embittered about it? Yeah, I, I oh, I'm all alone. All right, come on. Right, like one for us, just in full disclosure, and I have my, my 12-year-old triplets here, which to us are a constant picture of God's grace, that um, God's people were praying, and in many cases fasting for months. The, the diagnosis was not good. It was, it was a time of, of such grief and fear and wondering how the pregnancy would go. And even now we had had loss before in our, in our, in our infertility and then had lost and, and had, had cried and had called out to God and pleaded with him to provide. And then in this case, our three children were, were born and we couldn't believe it. It was a miracle. And not weeks or months afterward were there not times that I was shaking my fists at God of the, the, the sorrow and anguish I was walking through now as a young parent, right? It's just how fickle we are. And I say that hopefully not to pile on a weight of like, how could you forget? But, but I just, as, as you enter in, it just sees, wow, I am so moment by moment. Is it not better to stop and to recognize God remains faithful even when his people are faithless. Amen. Amen. Our, our faith does not depend, as we heard of the video last week, right, by D.A. Carson, the content or the intensity of your faith is not what saves you. And again, my hope is that that would be freeing, that that frees us like the Psalms are full of hand shaking before God, but ultimately built upon a foundation of trust that God remains faithful even when we are faithless, even when we can't muster up the faith that we want to have, even when we can't remind ourselves, when we can't try to, try to say, oh, look at these dear, precious you know, kids. How could you be ungrateful? But in those moments, say, wow, God, please, I believe, but please help my unbelief. I've, you have answered and been so faithful, and yet in this moment, I struggle. I've got chalkboards with cursive. I've got tattoos on my body. I've got songs I sing, and yet it's not penetrating through my heart right now. Can you do what I cannot do for myself? Can you reveal your faithfulness and somehow in that enable me to be faithful? There's hope in God revealing his faithfulness. 
And, and let me also say, we often probably look at this and we think, well, if I only saw God, right, fill in the blank. I don't know what your version is of that. If God only, like I grew up in a more Pentecostal church for a while, and so um, most of my childhood, and there would be times like, God, if you, if you bring this car, if you bring, the, if you, and as, as a kid, I was mostly a kid, there was like, if you make me grow, if you somehow make me on the basketball team, right, and, and whatever it would be, like, I'll really believe, I'll go all in, I'll do this, and, and, and now as we're older, like, what is that version, whatever it is, if you provide X, Y, or Z, if you do X, Y, or Z, and again, I could tell you guys some stories, and it, thankfully, God remains faithful even when we are faithless. Thankfully, our salvation is built upon God and his goodness and his glory and his holiness and his long-suffering patience. His grace, his undeserved favor. I look back at old journal entries and things I prayed for. There was like, there was like no less than black magic. Like I'm like, all right, my eyes are closed. And when I open them, it's going to, you know, and, and thankfully God is, is faithful and patient. And I think hopefully we can see like, no, whatever we want God to do to prove himself to us is not what we need. All right, what we need is what he has already provided, and that's revealing his faithfulness. We have something that the Israelites didn't have. Again, we have a cross and an empty tomb to constantly look back to. Wherever we are in our lives, we can see God is powerful, God is just, God is gracious, God is in control. He has dealt with sin. He has saved his people. He has called us to have hope in what he has done. And so that's what we see is God remains faithful even when we are faithless. And so in verse 13, Moses says to the people, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. Whose salvation? The Lord's salvation. Not, hey, muster it up, right? Grit your teeth, sing the song, be happier. Just do it, try harder, right? Slap on a smile. No, step back, be quiet, and look at God and his salvation that he provides. The Lord's salvation, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see, tell, whom you see today, shall, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Let me just be real here, too. There's a tone there. You can see, like, we think it's like Moses is, like, tucking in the Israelites. Like, hey, you know, sweetie, just be quiet. Shh. There's, there's an encouragement, but also an implication. There's kind of a, like, shh, be quiet and shut your mouth. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so there's, there's a little bit of both here. All right, and we need, because we tend to like create God in our image and want God to just be what we want him to be. Oh, God's just soothing. And there is that. He's comforting his people, but he's also putting them in check. All right, and so I want to again remind us, myself included, corporately, how does this encourage us and implicate us? Because in the end, what we see, we need to remember God because God is faithful, He calls His shots. And ultimately, he judges evil, and he saves his people. So pick up with me now in verse 15, chapter 14, verse 15, 
And I'm going to just read through some of these passages now where we see God simultaneously judging and saving, encouraging, if you will, and exhorting. All right, look look here. Um, Verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Again, there's a little bit of like, check yourself right now. Why are you crying to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. Again, God had called his shot, right? He said he would do this, and this is what's happening. So that they shall gather up in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. All the power that we are trembling before, right? They heard this. They heard the chariots coming. They heard the, 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 the planes coming in, if you will, right? They heard the tanks rolling. They heard this mighty force of Egyptian power. And God says, listen, look at all that and let me reveal my power, my judgment, and my salvation, And he says, all of Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. Right? So Moses did what he said to do. He stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back. This is real, by the way. We don't just think this is a metaphor. Okay, this is real history right now. God has actually done this. Okay, the sea, what we now know as the Red Sea, is peeled back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided and the people of Israel went, this is hundreds of thousands of people, went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. Again, simultaneous here. God peels back the oceans There's comfort, there's encouragement, there's salvation for his people. This sea, which symbolized a dead end. We've got this ocean, there's no way we could swim across it, we can't jump over it, we can't, you know, whatever, like, we're stuck. What are we going to do here? We've got these, 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 these armies coming in after us, and Pharaoh is mad, right? All these people, by the way, just lost their firstborn son. Like, they're hot with anger, We're in here, and yeah, God, you've fought for us before, but how do we know you're going to fight for us now? We're stuck. And what does God do? He uses the water to peel back, to save his people, to reveal his care, his faithfulness, and his people walk through. There's a wall, and they walk through this. And then in verse 30, and then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. Verse 22, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall for them. Verse 23, the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all the horses, all the chariots, all the horsemen. And what did God do? He said, now stand back and look at my judgment. And he let the seas collapse. And all this power that has been enslaving and oppressing God's people is now dealt with. And we see simultaneously God's salvation and his judgment. And let me just also point out what happened in the very beginning in Exodus chapter 1. The waters of the Nile ran red with the blood of the Hebrew firstborn 
boys. And now, at the end of this whole scene, the Red Sea is now filled with the blood of the Egyptians who have oppressed God's people, who have constantly stiffened their necks and, and, and turned against God. God has revealed his judgment, and, 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 and there's, there's incredible um, wisdom in what's going on here. But again, God saves his people, and he judges evil in one act. Let me um, read this to you from a kind of a, a resource called SpokenGospel.com. Through one act, God saved Israel, defeating the enemy, gained glory for himself, and showed that there was no one like him. In one act, Jesus saved us and defeated the enemies of sin and death. With one act, using one instrument, God saved his people and punished sin like he did at the Red Sea. In the body and blood of Jesus on the cross, we see the closing waves of the sea consume our Savior like Egypt. And in the same moment, open up a gracious path for us to freedom and salvation. Okay, this is rich with imagery. Again, as we, in a moment, will take communion, we remember that we have life through Jesus' broken body and shed blood. We look at the cross and we remember that through death, Jesus gives life. That through suffering, through descending, we look forward to glory, which Jesus rose from the dead. And he said, listen, if you are found in me, if you trust in me, if you belong to me, this is the future that you are lo looking ahead to. Okay, symbolically, when we have baptisms, right, there's an image, again, similarly here, the water is a picture for us, just like the Red Sea of judgment, right? A person goes into the water, and it's not that long, by the way. People ask about that. How long are you, you going to hold me under? Depends on how much have you sinned. No, it's, it's not like, that's not how it works. It's quick. Boom, boom. But it's a picture. It's a reminder, right? That through Jesus' death, you are now dead to sin. And then through his resurrection, raised again to new life through faith in him. Even the, the, what we use is intentionally designed that we, it somewhat looks like a tomb, all right, that's a place of death. The old is gone. The old man full of sin and, 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 and rebellion against God is put to death. Just like we see with Egypt and God's judgment and collapsing the Red Sea on top of them. But through faith in him, through Jesus' death and resurrection alone, we are brought free. We are brought out of the water. We are raised again to new life through faith in him. So now church, Again, we look back here and we see through this exodus, through God leading his people, that God judges and saves. All right? God always remains faithful even when we're faithless. God is so in control that he calls his shots. And yes, God's ways are mysterious, sometimes confusing, yet he's good and he's working. And then again, ultimately, out of love, God has called us to constantly remember him. So let's pray as we prepare to sing, to pray, to give, to go before the Lord's table to remember God who has revealed himself in a world that has forgotten him.
Lord, thank you for your goodness, your power, your faithfulness. Lord, I pray that wherever we're at right now this morning, that we can remember you. Lord, I pray that and trust that you have revealed yourself. Lord, I do pray that through your spirit, you would open our eyes, open our ears, Lord, soften our hearts. I don't know where everyone in this room is at this morning, but you do. And Lord, we don't need you to do anything new other than to, again, re, uh, open our eyes, enable us to see what you have already done. Lord, allow us to remember you, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, Lord, to respond in faith as your people because of your faithfulness, Lord, that we can love because you have first loved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.